0: I'm so glad that you chose to uh, join us uh, tonight for our Good Friday service. One of the reasons that we have a Good Friday service is to uh, really encourage you um, to spend this weekend. uh, Really, it should be every weekend, but to spend this weekend uh, focused on uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If it were not for that simple message that Jesus Christ died on a cross on Good Friday and on Sunday... He rose from the dead. If it were not for that message, there's really no reason for any of us to live. Uh, because when we die, that would be it. There would be no reason for living. There would be no reason for, for loving. There would be no reason for anything. Um, because we would perish. And so how fitting for us to take uh, some time on Friday and to focus upon the gospel I want you to turn your Bibles, if you have into to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look briefly just at uh, a couple verses. Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. And we're going to read through verse 25. The verse we're really going to look at is verse 24, okay? When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? And he answered he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me the son of man goes as it is written of him but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed it would be better it would have been better for that man if he had not been born judas who would betray him answered is it i rabbi and he said you have said so father i pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to the word uh, specifically to the glory of Jesus and the glory of the cross. And Lord, that, that without receiving you, um, life, life is empty. Father, teach us that today. I pray it in Jesus' name. I pray, asking for the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, something that I've often wondered in the Scriptures is, why tell us so much about Judas. Um, I don't know about you guys but the, the really kind of embarrassing failures in my life I just assume not everybody know about that you know uh, I think we can tell our story when kind of leave those things out uh, I'm not I'm not going to stand up here and tell you about the time in eighth grade that I pinned myself in the Garden City Invitational Wrestling Tournament uh, it's a great story but I'm not going to tell it to you because I'd rather you not know my embarrassing failures. And so you kind of wonder, I mean, we're all kind of like that, and so you have to wonder why, why would the Bible spend so much time telling us about Judas? Judas is a monumental failure. I mean, I can't think of a person in the Bible who missed it bigger than Judas. You can't You can't imagine uh, of, of Jesus' chosen apostles, you know, the one that betrayed him. You can't imagine the, 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 the horror of that moment and why would the Bible tell us so much about that? You know, we don't know. We know more about Judas than we know about most of the other apostles. I mean, can you even tell me one story about simon the canadian or who can tell me about thaddeus what thaddeus do you know i mean where did thaddeus go what happened to thaddeus how did thaddeus died how, how, how about how about bar, bar, uh, bartholomew anybody know anything about bar i mean most of these guys we we don't know i mean it's not that they didn't do incredible great awesome things we know that they did they were chosen of jesus you know spread the gospel of the world we just we just have a glimpse of scripture we just have this small slice and so you have to wonder why is there so much detail about judas you know, I mean, why why do we know of, of the whole ugly story of Judas pilfering money out of the money box and and revealing, uh, you know, Jesus revealing that he knew of Judas uh, being a fraud early on in the ministry and Judas' interaction with the Sanhedrin and the exchange of money between Judas and 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 uh, and the, uh, uh, the the Sanhedrin. And we know how much money it was and we know about the Passover supper and we have several different accounts that tell us the conversation between Judas and Jesus kind of under the table and and we know of the infamous kiss, you know the kiss of betrayal, and, and we know of Judas going back to the Sanhedrin, and what he did with the money, and what they said to him, and, and we finally, we know of how he died. We know, we, we know that he hung himself, but now I know, do we know how he died? We actually know how people found him, you know, we, we don't just know how he died, but we know that when they actually came and found him, that he had fallen from the point that he had hung himself, and the, that his energy had burst out of I him. Mean, we know the details of his death, and of, of what happened to him after that, we know all of that. And then, and and for for to know that about Judas, you know, there's great men in the, of, of God in the Bible that we have one sentence about. You know, think about Enoch. You know, I mean, Enoch walked with God, and, and the guy was such a godly man that walked with God. God took him. I mean, but that's all we know. I mean, the Bible says Enoch walked with God, and and he was not, and God took him, you know? I mean, wow. I mean, I'd like some more detail, wouldn't you? Did he go like a rocket ship? Did he just, you know, fly in the air? Did God snatch him? Did he disappear? Did a portal open? Did it, you know, a chariot? I mean, what happened there? We don't know. We got one sentence about the guy, but we know about Judas, pretty much his whole ministry with Jesus to the very end. Why would we know so much about a guy who blew it bigger than anybody? And the only thing I can think of is that Judas serves as a warning. Okay, Judas is a warning. Judas is a don't do this. Don't do this. Don't have ulterior motives in seeking Christ. Don't be religious without loving God. Don't pretend to have something with God that you don't have. You know, last week we looked at Ananias and Sapphira. You might think, hey, those are the most famous hypocrites in the history of the church. They're not. Judas is it. Judas has that prize of the guy that pretended to have something that he really didn't have. I think Judas serves as a warning. Don't miss out on eternity with Christ. Don't attempt to use Jesus to gain something else. That's what Judas did. You know, he wanted to use Jesus. He said, I want you, Jesus, but I really don't want you. What I want is what you can give me. What I want is, is what you can provide for me. That, that's what Judas did. Man, woe to the man who treasures money more than he treasures the Son of God. Woe to the man who who sees no value in the glory of Jesus Christ. Maybe Judas is there because he's a big caution sign in front of a sheer cliff that says, Don't go here. I think that's I think that's why Judas is in the Bible. Now, what we have in this passage that, that I read to you briefly here the, this evening... Is, is what happened on Thursday night? Okay, if we put it in our Easter weekend, today is Friday. Today is the day that Jesus would have hung on the cross. The sun is about to go down. They're probably breaking the thieves' legs. If you, if you kind of think about it in an Easter weekend right now, they're they're pulling Jesus off the cross. Maybe they, they're sticking the spear the the spear in his side to to see the blood and water had flowed and and that he's truly dead. And they're getting ready to bring it. I mean, that's what's happening on Friday. Okay, Thursday night, the disciples gather in the upper room to celebrate the feast of the Passover that Jesus turns into the Lord's Supper. Okay, this is the, the this the Thursday night would have been the night that Jesus reveals, okay, that the bread represents the body that's about to be broken for you and the cup represents the blood that's about to be spilled for you. And so they're having the Lord's Supper. And during the Supper, Jesus reveals that one of the disciples, one of the twelve would betray him. Now, one of the things that always amazes me is that nobody suspected Judas, you know. I mean, they got twelve choices. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And and they're all looking around. Is me Is it I? Is it I? You know, and you would think, man, Jesus has known that Judas was a fraud for quite some time. And and, and what amazes me is that nobody knew. And and the implication of that is that Jesus had never treated Judas any different. Isn't that amazing? That he knew back in John 6, because he said it. We'll look at that in a minute. But he knew that Judas was a devil. And yet, Jesus never showed any sign of that. Never any cold shoulder. Never any, you know, callous remarks about Judas to to the rest of the group. And so, so nobody knows, nobody suspects the guy. And all you have is this kind of quiet, quiet exchange between Judas and Jesus. In John 13... In verse 27, it says this. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. So he just says that to Jesus. What you're going to do, do quickly. And nobody knows what he's talking about. Verse 28 says, now no no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag that Jesus was telling him, go buy what we need for the feast. So people just think Jesus sent him on an errand and he leaves. And he goes to the Sanhedrin to to betray the, the greatest man who's ever lived. I'm I'm particularly interested in what verse 24 says. It says, the son of man, listen, listen, Jesus is saying this about himself. He says, the son of man goes as it is written of him. Okay, now I want you to focus right on that sentence for a second. The Son of Man goes as it is written of Him. Okay, what the Bible does not want you to think is that Jesus' torture, His brutal scourging, His crown of thorns, Him being staked to a piece of wood and hung to die for six hours was somehow forced upon Him, okay? What the Bible doesn't want you to think is that Judas was the mastermind of this great overthrow of God, okay? Okay? And the Bible does, wants to make sure you're, you're clear on this, that Judas doesn't pull a fast one here, okay? You know, God's not thinking, well, we're going to be doing this, and Jesus thinking he's, he's going to, to, you know, to, to rule uh, physically in Jerusalem, and they're going to preach the next day. No, I mean, they, God, God has this in his plan. Well, this was not forced upon Jesus. It's very clear here that the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. In other words, it's not a mistake, it's not an accident, it's not a tragic lapse of God's protection, it is the plan of God. In fact, if you remember this passage a few weeks ago, in Acts chapter 2 verse 23, it says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Hear that? Delivered up to the according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And way back in Isaiah chapter fifty three, if we go back seven hundred years before Jesus died on the cross, in Isaiah chapter fifty-three, verse ten, it says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Okay, it, what Jesus is saying is, it is written of me that I'm going to the cross. Okay, Judas is is betraying and Judas is handing me over because of his evil heart. But it is the plan of God from the very beginning, written in Isaiah, written back in Genesis three fifteen, where where where, where God prophesied that 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 Satan would bruise His heel; He would give him a non non eternally fatal blow. Okay. It is written that Jesus would go to the cross, that Jesus would die for our sins, that Jesus would pay the penalty for our iniquities, okay? God, God would allow the devil and death and sin and evil to do their best against the Son of God. God would place His own Son in the way of His wrath so that you and I did not have to, did not have to receive that or, or, or have that upon us. But that does not excuse Judah's sin. Okay, so, so the first part of the verse says, The Son of Man goes as it is written of Him. But notice this next part. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Okay, the fact that Judas' treachery is used by God for your and I salvation does not make Judas a good guy. Okay? Here's the reality. Judas meant to harm Jesus. Judas despised Christ in his heart. Judas preferred a few pieces of silver to the Son of God. Judas was wicked, and God used his wickedness for the good of the world. Verse 24 says, The Son of Man goes as it is, as it is written, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Why is Judas' sin so great? Well, first of all, because Judas had great opportunity to see the glory and majesty of Christ. You, do you remember that verse in the New Testament? This this one should should make a lot of us church people tremble. It says, to whom much is given, much is required. Do you remember that verse in, in the Bible? Okay, Judas had a front row seat to see up close and personal the glory of Jesus Christ. Judas watched Jesus heal the sick and give sight to the blind and give the ability to walk to the lame and even to raise the dead. Judas had a front row seat to see all these incredible miracles. He saw the authority with which Jesus handled the Word of God. The authority with which Jesus stilled the wind and the storm and the waves and disease and demons and even death itself. And so Judas is in this incredible position... To put his faith in Jesus the Messiah. He's got three years of personal discipleship with Jesus Christ. You know, we study just this little bit sliver of the Sermon on the Mount. Judas was there when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, can you imagine that? You know, Judas had this great light given to him. Lots of truth. And yet he rejects it all. Why is his sin so great? Because Judas had been greatly loved by Jesus. Again, back in John chapter 6. Uh, verse 70, Jesus says, you know, I, I know one of you is a devil. I, I I know that. But yet Jesus doesn't mistreat him. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, when the other disciples are like, hey, let's go over here. Let's send Judas. Jesus, Jesus doesn't cast that look like we do sometimes. No, not him. Not him. You know, I know things about him that you don't know. I mean, it's just amazing to me that Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, was lo- Jesus loved Judas. He, he treated him with kindness. He treated him as one of the 12, as one of his own. Judas is betraying a friend. You know I mean? How hurtful is it when, when your friend, some of you know this, when your friend betrays you. And we're not talking about handing you over to be scourged and beaten and nailed to a tree. We're talking usually things like snubbed at the restaurant, you know. And, and you know the pain that you feel in your heart when you feel like your friend has betrayed you. Judas was, was a friend. Judas was, was in the circle of the apostles. And so notice what verse 15 says. Go up a little bit. These are spooky words to me. When Judas goes to the, to the religious leaders, here's what he says. What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? What will you give me? Do, do, do you see how Judas looks at Jesus? He looks at him like, like, a, like, a, like an item, like, like something. What, what, what do you give me for that? I mean, that's what, the that's way what, that's, that's what Judas thinks of Jesus. He says, hey, you know, I don't really want him. I don't really want him, but 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 I'm in a position where I've got some power here and so what will you give me instead of him? Doesn't, doesn't that sound like Romans one? Remember how we're always talking about the, the root of sin is in Romans one, where it talks about that we as mankind have exchanged the glory of God for, for things. For things of the world. That's the nature of sin. Judas is acting out the nature of sin. He's saying, I don't really want Jesus. I'm not interested in Jesus. I've been with him for three years and I don't want him. I see no value in him. What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? In Judas' mind, there's nothing to be treasured, nothing to be loved, nothing to be pursued. What can I get out of Jesus? So he trades Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's the sin of mankind. To see no value in the Son of God. And oh my, is there ever value in the Son of God. The Bible says He's life. The Bible says He is hope. He is joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Jesus is victory over death. He's forgiveness of sins. He's blinding holiness. He's superabounding love. He's eternal faithfulness. He's fullness of joy and pleasures forever. All of that is in Christ. He is, the, he is value. Just a few few hours ago, my mom called me. And, and uh, a kid that lived right down the street from us, he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's 30, probably 37, 30. I'm not sure. He's my brother's age. He was in my brother's class, a good friend of my brother's. He came to our house this last Christmas to visit with my brother. And, and he's flying to Topeka with his wife and his two little girls. And their airplane crashes. And everybody dies. That was today. The second person that my brother's lost in his class this, this month. And I texted my brother and I said, Man, how are you? And he just texted me back and he says, sad. And I didn't know the only thing I could say was, the only thing that can redeem this is Jesus. I mean, do, do you see that? You know, Judas says, I've got no use for him. I'll take some silver so I can buy me a stupid trinket. That's that's all I care about. I don't want I'll, I'll, and he didn't see Jesus is all that matters. There's families right now in Kansas. I I, I think they probably know that more than any. That the only the only way we can make sense of any of this. The only way that this could be redeemed is through Jesus. Through the living son of God. That's the only hope now. This next phrase is actually why it caught me to want to preach this tonight. Verse 24, the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Listen to this. I, I don't even know exactly what to do with this. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. That's a huge statement. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. If he'd never breathed. If he'd never laughed. If he'd never smiled. He'd never walked in the park with his kid on a spring day. It would have been better if he'd never bounced on his dad's knee. If he'd never opened Christmas presents. If he'd never never lived. That's what, that's what Jesus said, it would have been better for him. In other words, the good of his whole life, if you pile it up, every, every moment of pleasure, every, every, every joy, every happiness, every satisfaction, every meal, if you pile that all up, Jesus says, that's, that's nothing compared to what is to come. It would have been better if he would never had any of that, if he would never been born. If you use the one life that God has given you to dishonor the son of God. It would have been better for you not to have been born. Not to have lived at all. What that tells me is that this. I don't know any other way to say this. But the infinite punishment. Because Jesus is infinitely glorious. And because the work of Jesus for us is infinitely glorious. Because of that, to reject him, to despise him, to refuse to follow and love him is infinite punishment. I received a magazine this week in the mail. And I don't know who gave it to me. They, they sent it without a, without a back, backward address. They wrote me a little note and they put initials. And I have no idea who gave it to me. But in the magazine, it, it, it's, how they put it, it's deadly distortions and blazing blunders in the Bible. And, and one of them, a big section, was was that hell is not forever. That They're saying that the doctrine that hell is forever is, is a blazing blunder and a deadly distortion. And, and I, I'm sure they sent it to me because maybe they've heard me preach on hell, I guess. I don't know why else they would send that to me. But... What they're promoting is, is a doctrine called annihilationism that basically means that if you die without Christ, then you go to a place called hell and you just burn up and that's it. You're it's gone. You, you you're gone. You don't you don't live anymore. Uh, a lot of people, it's a very popular belief right now. If that's true, then Jesus is lying here. Because that would not be true of Judas. It would not be true that it would be. I mean, mean, if, if what happened to Judas was he went to a place called hell and boom, he's burned up and he doesn't exist. Okay, he doesn't exist. Okay, but, but he still has this life. We, we probably imagine him being a man of 30 or 40 years, probably similar to Jesus' age, something around there. And so he had all of this life, and we assume he had maybe a good family, and we assume he was probably a good guy, and we assume he had good deeds, and and he loved his mom, and he loved his dad, and maybe he had kids, maybe he was married. I, I don't know. We don't know those things about him, but but he had all these good things. And if all that happened to him was that, 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 that he died after he hung himself and, and, and he went to hell for a moment or a week or a day or I don't know how, Long they think that that takes and he and he was burned up and he was gone and, and and he doesn't exist anymore. Then then it was not better that he not that he not have lived. But what Jesus is saying is that what is coming to to reject Jesus, what is coming, is it, it, so is so to be feared. That it's better for him never to have lived. It undercuts the the lie that's circulated today of universalism that says that Jesus died for sins and and Jesus loves the world and therefore all sinners will eventually be saved, clearly that was not the case for Judas. Listen, Judas didn't want Jesus. The question for us tonight is, do you want him? Do you want him? That's it. Do you want him? Here's the good news, if you want him, you can have him. Isn't that awesome? If you want him, you can have him. (laughs) Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and you say, I want him, pastor, I don't want to trade him. I don't want to give him away. I don't want to say, I'd rather have a pile of silver or I'd rather have a possession or I'd rather have that. If you're here tonight and you say, I want him, pastor, you can have him. Isn't that awesome? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If God's drawing you tonight, if He's if He's pulling you to Himself, if He's opened up your, your mind and your heart so that you see Jesus is everything that I need, then you can you can have Him. What we're about to do here in a moment is is a symbol for believers. It's a symbol for those who have who've repented of their sins and who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and who've been baptized as a symbol of their, their faith in Christ. And what this means is, Jesus, we're taking you in. Guys, would you go ahead and, and, and come over and, and assemble yourselves by the table? Um, what it means is we're taking you in, Jesus. We're We're taking in your broken body, for our sins, we're, we're taking in your your blood to be for the forgiveness of our iniquities. Here at Lincoln Avenue we, we don't have what some call closed communion. what we have is open communion. What that means is you don't have to be a member of Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church to to partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, with us, we think it, it goes beyond that. We think it, it's extended to, to born-again believers. We do ask that you be a believer. We ask that you be someone who's put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And you've repented of your sins and and you've called out to him and he saved you. And if he has, we want you to partake tonight. And we want you to partake in, in the sense of saying, Jesus, I want you. This is a symbol of saying, I'm, I'm bringing you into my life. I'm, I'm receiving of, of your body and of your blood to be my life.